humans, gentle ladies, lad men, ladies and gentlemen, dreamers and dreams alike, and welcome to the Devolver Digital Forecast here at forecast.devolverdigital.com. Hi, I'm your co-host JM. And I'm and Nadine. Jared. Oh, nice. Sorry, damn it. <laughs> I'm your co-host JM. And I'm Nadim. And Nadim is here from Pasta Games. Jared is out. The 13 puppies finally uh, have done him in, and he is currently buried under puppies. Nadim, how are you today? I am actually very well today. It's been a very Excellent. good day. That's wonderful. Uh, Nadim is here normally. Of course, if Jared's here, we do a long meandering intro to wander into the subject of what we'll be talking about. But today we're diving right in. Nadim from Pasta Games, uh, the creators of the much-anticipated Karma Zoo, coming soon, coming soon to everything. Very soon. So soon. Couple of weeks. Oh gosh! It's ah chaos incoming. Everything's coming out at the end of the year. Exactly. Uh, thanks for being here, Nadim. My pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, I guess first and foremost, would you be so kind as to explain to anyone who doesn't already know what Karmazoo is? So Karmazoo is a multiplayer chaotic altruistic game in which you have to collaborate with strangers online and succeed in communicating to solve small puzzles and stroll around the loop in order mm -hmm. to collect karma hearts and the way you collect karma hearts is by helping each other out in any way you find in any way you can invent and with your karma hearts you get to collect more and more silly little avatars and characters that each have a new way to help each other out and so on and so forth until you have completed the entire sanctuary of 50 plus avatars and you have enjoyed every possible way to help each other out basically and then you ascend right and you send each other karma You're, you can also send karma kisses <clears throat> manually if you want to yeah like add to the gratitude you want to share with people but yeah. most of the most of the love sharing is done automatically. Yeah, but I I meant ascend like you become a. There's also oh. the uh, the sherpa, yeah. right? Exactly. So basically, the collection is is kind of organized from the most egoistic uh, characters. So you traditional platforming characters. Oh, so I forgot the basis. It's a 2D platformer, puzzle <laughs> platformer, uh, and it's gonna released on nearly every device. Uh, in the world, I mean the modern ones, actually at least, mm -hmm. and uh, you will collect uh, avatars and unlock them in the sanctuary, and they go from the most egoistic, so characters that can dash and run and and hover and float and stuff like this, all the way up to the most altruistic ones, for example, characters that can uh, spring you in the air, uh, like push you up in the air or spit on you to make you sticky and you're able to, s to climb walls easier. Uh, mm -hmm. And if you eventually reach the higher levels of sharing love and altruism, you ascend, as you say, directly to the higher level of immaterial beings and you become the Sherpas that cannot touch anything anymore. They don't have uh, access to pushing buttons and helping out with puzzles, but they have 
um, evolved ways of communicating and helping the whole team. And they actually guide the team. They're like supreme beings floating in the sky that don't, you know, they don't touch, they don't have material problems anymore. They just help out as immaterial beings. What is the, what is the, the, is that a, oh man, I was going to get all Eastern philosophy, but I'm not sure which, which type of Buddha that it is. It is, it is, it is. it's a Bodhisattva. It's um, a mix, you're right. It's difficult to pinpoint. It's very, it's a mix. It's a mix of Hinduism, of Shintoism, and of basic Buddhism, different ones. Yeah. So um, Shintoism, I insist because we don't have, this is why it's on, I don't call them I, like animals. I don't like to say animals because we have lots of objects. We mm-hmm. have a, like a, we have a watering can. We have a flower pot. We have an aquarium. We have I guess the aquarium. You can say it's a fish inside. You don't really know, but it's aquarium <laughs> that has the eyes. There is a fish inside, but the character is the aquarium. Uh, <laughs> we have uh, a lantern, a lamp. Uh, we have a couple of objects, and it's it's fun to to imagine it as spirits entering lots of different bodies may them be yeah. made be animals or uh, or objects did you mention that it's cute as hell <laughs> i let you i let you uh, appreciate the cuteness of it all it's super cute i uh, yeah it's it's really cute i also really enjoy that everything in the game can sing yeah that was part of it we all have a voice and we want to make it matter so we've decided yeah. to make a non there's no chat in game and there's no um, there's no vocal that you cannot speak mm-hmm. with others because we want it to be a, as universal game as possible so mm-hmm. and it has, it's also a bully free game supposedly bully free <laughs> with uh, not yeah. even air quotes it's like air shovels uh, because you cannot be bully free but as much as possible I guess and ready to to correct whatever bullies will find if ever they find ways to annoy people um but yes there is this there is this uh, desire to to go a little bit eastern on this game i mean we've been Mm. playing platform games forever and there's always this illogical thing in video games that you die and you just respawn Mm -hmm. and there's like this suspension of disbelief that you have to go with like why did why did I just respond there? So we made a game in which dying is part of the process, just like in mm-hmm. Hinduism. And it's all about reincarnation. And I mean, we don't have a religious message at all, <laughs> but having um, a, a ghost-like character that just goes from one body to the other allows us to play with death as part of the gameplay. So uh, let me make that a little bit clearer. So it's imagine a platform game with spikes when you jump on a spike, it creates a little block, a little block tombstone. And yeah. then other players can jump on it and use it to cross bed of spikes or chasms. And so actually you pave this place with your good intentions and people then use it to cross, like to solve levels and puzzles. And then you get karma for helping out by creating these tombstones for, other, for others to walk on. So it's basically a game in which sacrificing yourself is one of the main sacrificing yourself for the team is one of the main mechanics to progress and also yeah. one of the main ways to gain some karma. Lovely. Yeah, yeah, the the teamwork is is a lot of fun and yeah, the karma it automatically gives you karma, right? If somebody uses your tombstone to move from one place to another or if they like climb on top of you and all these things, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and holding doors 
it's very holding important. Doors open. Yeah. <laughs> it's the game is all about holding doors open. The, the, the one of the initial like pillars of the game is if I'm going to hold the door open for you, will you hold it back for me or will mm -hmm. you just let the door slam in my face and keep running? Yeah. This was one of the first things we wanted to try out. And we saw that people loved to stay and hold the door for one another. So we said, hey, let's go with this. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, people are people are inherently helpful, I think. Um, I want to talk about the inspirations for Karmazoo and where it came from. But I think first, I think I'd like to ask about you. Mm -hmm. Uh, your journey, your path through video games that has led you to here. And I suppose along the way that will also be pasta games. Um, you yeah. know, the inception of pasta games and, and what, you know, that is. So how did you, how did you get your start? How, what's your path been like? So uh, I've been making games for a very long time. I was always a game designer for board games mostly and card games. I was, uh, as I was younger, I was kind of uh, the class clown that invented games whenever we had a, like a get-together or party, I was kind of bored with the games that were offered to us. So I would always come up with these stupid games. So I always loved creating games. And then slowly I went into more like arts and literature and movies. I've studied actually cinema and, and literature in school and at the university in France. Mm -hmm. And after a couple of years of, uh, of uh, art and cinema, I came to the conclusion that no matter what, it will be extremely difficult to give pleasure to people with cinema because <laughs> it's a very, very like stuff has been going on in movies for some time. It's mature. I mean, there's lots to do still, but it's even if you do a lot of excellent work and you are you actually like manage to to direct a movie that has some success, you'll just be a drop of water in the ocean of gods of movies, right? So it's mm -hmm. difficult to, to to have some space there, to, self, to have some place in this in this uh, cinema world, especially when you're mm -hmm. in France and you don't want to move to Hollywood or Bollywood. So, uh, <laughs> so I decided at finishing school that I would like to keep literature and writing for myself as a hobby, and I wouldn't want to make it a, a job, basically. So I decided to go in the other places that I loved, which were video games. And at the time, making video games, especially in France, I mean, there was not a lot of options if you wanted to. When-ish was this? Uh, I would say 2000 and... Wait, I don't, I don't know for sure. <laughs> something like 2003, like, 2005, something okay. like this. Early 2000s, yeah. early mid-2000s? Okay. Early 2000s. And I had no, I mean, I, at the time, there weren't even schools for that stuff. So mm -hmm. basically, I wasn't too much at loss against any other possible person that wanted to do some game design. So I found the smallest possible studio that had, a, um, how do you call this, um, a job inquiry on, on you know, like mm. basically Thank early you. internet, I guess. And yeah. and I found this tiny, teeny company that was making video games for mobile phones, but long before what <laughs> we used to call smartphones. Uh, yeah. Feature phones, right? I thought I think they were called in English. Uh, and I started there. I mean, I was very lucky because Xavier Spina, who hired me, was was just taking a chance on me because I, I mean, I remember <laughs> making an interview at a. At a, in a cafe and coming without a 
without a, a, a CV. You call this a CV? Oh, like uh, uh, the portfolio or the yeah, like I, I say CV, but I don't know what it means. Curriculum vitae, you know, this thing where you say I've studied this, I've done that, and you know, yeah, like my information and no motivation letters and like no portfolio <laughs> because basically I had nothing to go with. I just had a, a card game with me that I had invented, and and we played that card game and I told him I have no clue but I'm ready to learn and he was like that's enough, so <laughs> so I was lucky I guess and I got hired and i had a great were you, yeah were you hired uh as as what, what role were you hired like a like as a design role or yeah i was a i was a trainee game designer cool okay trainee game designer and if i remember right this this barely paid money so nice. it was i mean <laughs> it was complicated so i had to continue to bartend and give some lessons on the side to continue like, mm -hmm. being able to live in paris already an expensive city at the time uh, and slowly but surely I had all this experience there and I got I mean it was great because it was I loved this period of my game design life because it was so there were so many constraints we were doing games for phones that had like there was like 120 different phones at the time like some of them were clamshell some of them were not clamshell some of them had two buttons one button uh, some of them had screens that were like 128 by 64. Some of them had like other types of ratios, other types of... It was really like you had to do with the minimum possible that it would work on everything. So, and we would make lots of games. Like really, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't remember how many I've made in these couple of years in that company, but at least once every, one every two months. It was really fast, fast, wow. fast work. And, yeah. we, and we would reuse the same stuff differently and it was lots of you know just finding solutions for stuff basically you, mm -hmm. you would have new problems all the time and i loved solving these new problems and i met so many people that was at the time it was i mean there were the, the the space of video games was odd there was nobody coming out of schools it was only autodidacts only people who learned on their own there were some mm -hmm. old school artists that had worked on on these big games on engines that were all homemade engines at the time there were no engines on the market it was just a different time where the, the, the people were i mean it was not a job i mean it was <laughs> it was just people very passionate about their stuff i mean yeah. as much as it now but now there's lots of also professionals um, yeah yeah i mean you y'all you were it was part of kind of that frontier yeah, I thought so. Anyway, <laughs> I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was there had been video games going on for like ten, like decades already, but yeah. but I was I was part of this, and I I had the feeling that there was, we were as you say frontier because the technology on of phones was tiny, mm -hmm. and all the consoles we were doing what they they were doing for twenty years, but in this new tiny space there were phones. Mm -hmm. and yeah. And the constraints were so big that we learned a lot about how to work with nothing and how to make gameplays. I mean, we, we ended up inventing what one button games, basically. That was it. You had one button to push. You cannot hold it. You only have to push mm -hmm. it on single in, uh, like impulses. Mm -hmm. And how can you make a variety with game with only one button? Oh, man. And that was great. I loved it. Yeah. I really loved it. And then slowly, so this uh, this company grew kind of grew a lot <laughs> they ended up hiring professional like like they hired a boss with gray hair and a suit and a car <laughs> and they hired like 
financial advisors and stuff they started growing and building companies and started asking us to do um, what, what they called evergreens at the time which was oh. like solitary and chess and stuff like this and started to crumble slowly and all, all the way to it collapsed and uh, with a the, with a couple of people from that company we left and we went ahead to rebuy the name Pastaga and Pasta Games that they had sold to this company after oh. doing like one or two one or two ports of mobile games at the time. And so it, the company that hired you was originally Pasta Games? No, it was something else and the people oh, okay. that had made Pasta Games and actually they 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 have they had been doing like, cool stuff with um I'm going to say the the French equivalent of Mad Magazine. Okay. And uh, they like Free Glacial which was an awesome like comic book magazine like uh, weekly or monthly magazine. And it had some like sexy stuff. It had some adult stuff that were not sexy. It was different. It was just a different mm -hmm. kind of magazines for us. It had this mad, mad, mad atmosphere a little bit. And they had done like a tamagotchi with one of the designers, <laughs> with one of the the drawers. Uh, drawers is a uh, something else in English. It's part of a, it's part of a <laughs> somebody who draws. Yeah, uh, artist, I guess. An artist, and they had done some cool games with them, like. It, w it was just a little bit unhinged, a lot more than we are now. They had a game <laughs> where there was an alcoholic dude trying to catch... It was oil panic, but with a, a French dude catching wine and getting <laughs> drunk, so it's getting more and more complicated. <laughs> they had a game called Amour et Argent, I think, so love and money. And it was just just odd and quirky and, and very early, very amateurish, but lots of soul, lots of um, lots of feeling. And uh, it, it didn't work at all. So they had stopped and sold that company for like a symbolic cure or something to this whatever other company. And mm -hmm. we grew together. We did a couple of years of design together. And once this company imploded, we decided to start again by rebuying that company's name uh, from the company <laughs> dead that, that was dying. Yeah. Basically to avoid having to do all the complicated French paperwork to start a company uh, mm -hmm. and this got us going and we were lucky enough that another company called Neko uh, had too much on their plate with the DS Nintendo DS Oh, it was the big era of Nintendo DS and big era of people that were from outside video games wanting to go in video games with the DS and we had a mm -hmm. couple of first games actually if you might know this. Uh, I mean, you're, you're in America. You're American, right? I am. Yeah, so you probably know a company called Build-A-Bear. Yeah. So you, it's it's a, like make your own like plush company. Yeah, like you. So, yeah, I've never been, but yeah, you like design your own teddy bear and they build it for you there, right? Yeah, and it's uh, and it was really uncanny because it's like like touch me, stuff me. It's like what? Come <laughs> on, this is odd. <laughs> like, are you sure it's for kids? And and we did their um, their license game for uh, Nintendo DS Build a Bear Workshop, and it nice. was it was really cool. We learned a lot. Again, very 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 low tech, uh, uh, short project, tiny team, like long hours, but lots of lots lots of dedication. And we learned a lot in that game. We learned licensing. Mm -hmm. We learned like uh, Bibles of color design and 
how to use Baremi. Yeah, there was Baremi and Sassy Kitty and all these characters, and it was just odd <laughs> for us, you know. <laughs> yeah. And there were there were our first like intermediate companies that had bought the license and that were paying for the project and like you know it became a little bit more business. Mm-hmm. And I remember having issues. Now one of our mini games was was like brushing the teeth of the of the plushes <laughs> and <laughs> and some people did agree with the the, with the 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 direction of the brushing the teeth, you know. Mm-hmm. And we found out that it was maybe a, a cultural problem difference between the Danish people that had the license to American company, of course, Bilibear, and us as French. It was just interesting because it became worldwide a little bit, and we learned yeah. a lot. And I had to train a lot of English back then. It actually helped. Do we all use toothbrushes differently? Uh, not really, but for us, it was quite obvious that it would be from top to bottom. Ah, and. We would or we were always taught that you brush your teeth, I mean the front side, right, from top to bottom yeah. and uh, in the top part, and from bottom to yeah. top in the bottom part, go away from yeah. the gums. Yeah. And they were like, but no, that's not logical. In every movie, in every reference, you brush your teeth from left to right, you know. Yeah. And I was like, but this is not how we teach our kids and how we were taught. <laughs> so we wanted to do something kind of, like not educational. It wasn't the plan, but. We didn't want to say something wrong to kids, right? Yeah. So it was fun. It was just different. And I remember going to, what was it? St. Louis, I think they were the headquarters were in, and going to this big company, American company, and traveling to America, and and they had dog like dogs in the office. And it was a culture clash for me. Like, what? They bring their pets to the office, like these huge dogs. And oh. And they would have dogs like farting in the office. It was like, come on, how do people work like this? <laughs> I feel like that's dangerous if you're in a factory where you're making bear parts too, because dogs are just going to chew everything up. <laughs> Basically, yeah. And they had also the scene of the Bible, but with the with like teddy bears <laughs> and a statue of Franklin. Uh, wh- yeah, what was it? No, Theodore Roosevelt. Oh no! Wait! Okay. No, no! Wait! 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 Who? Teddy Te- Roosevelt? Yeah, this is why it's teddy bears, right? Because of Teddy yeah, Roosevelt. Yeah, yeah, Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. And it was just so much for me. I loved it. It's. I loved it. And <laughs> I was uh, smoking cigarettes, and I couldn't find a place to smoke a cigarette in the whole company. Like they, I had to walk like ten minutes. <laughs> it felt like these <laughs> these game events that we go to sometimes. You need to walk yeah. like twenty minutes to reach some oxygen, and. Mm-hmm. It felt like this, and it was just delightful to learn and to travel and to see all that different world and to see how different people work. And so that was our first game, and yeah. this helped us finance our first creation as uh, as Pasta Games' new generation. Not the first before I joined, but the sure. second life of Pasta Games. And actually, it was called Pastaga at first, and Pastaga is pastis. Uh, it's a French drink. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with like some, the likes of ouzo, or mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's like uh, anisette, like it's a drink made of anise, and mm-hmm. the name of the company is alcohol basically, and it's a drink. And obviously, when we started doing games for Nintendo, it was kind of like, come on, guys, uh, maybe maybe <laughs> not, <laughs> maybe not the best choice. So we added MES, and that made it pasta games. So we became the spaghetti games and the noodle games, but that was not the <laughs> initial intention, right? 
So that was kind nice. of that was kind of cool, and we did our first musical game called Maestro Jumping Music, and I loved it because I spent a year and a half or two years of my life in music, and every mm-hmm. every level was a track basically. Mm-hmm. So, and I strongly believe that you get deformed by your work, <laughs> and I was happy to get deformed into a sense of understanding music better and and not like listening to music a lot and. And also like negotiating like li- uh, rights to music, and I was so shocked that we would be able to get like uh, what was it, House of the Rising Sun and Jackson Five and and all this cool stuff, and yeah, and learning a little bit about laws and how what was it that shocked me? Like yeah, you have 50 years after the death of the last owner to before you can use something for your rights, except if they were like in the yeah except you'd have to take away the first and the second world war <laughs> like what you have to add this <laughs> to the right like stuff like this and it was like what <laughs> those years don't count okay yeah and just stuff like this and i remember fabian um leaving to italy to meet the 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 the, the, the descendants of this beautiful composer called eric satie to mm-hmm. discuss with them because they ha- oh, still had rights to the to the to the music, and mm-hmm. to discuss with them if us a tiny small video game company like a five people, in an old library uh, that doesn't have heater in Paris maybe maybe we could use it free of rights and <laughs> and the old lady was like yeah sure I'd love that and you know like all this first like you know understanding a little bit more about how things work and this game was absolute flop um, because oh. of many reasons but mostly because it was there was nothing online at the time it was boxed mm-hmm. everything was in boxes and our publisher only like published it in France and a little bit of Europe and mostly sold it in supermarkets which was not at all the <laughs> not not in video game shops and, and stuff so it's okay we, we learned about the word shipping and distribution and and cost of cartridges on Nintendo that you had to pay according to the size of your app and stuff like this. So we had a great like educational like part for Pasta Games. We learned a lot. And we think God, yeah. I was gonna say thank God that part of video game history is now optional. Yeah, <laughs> shipping. <laughs> yeah, like actually sending on ships. And yeah. and then we continued. And at Pasta Games, we have this philosophy of work for hire versus creation mm-hmm. and we value both the same because we learned mm-hmm. a lot a lot in both we learned a lot in the work for hire and it also allows us to make our tools better our we have we have a home engine called linguini that we've built over 20 years now so it's kind of strong now it has all these different we say in french um, strings on our bow so mm-hmm. we have it's it's becoming more and more versatile and flexible and we do work for hire. We win some money, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. We invest in our games. We lose everything, and we start over. And this has been our process <laughs> <laughs> all along. And we've made a couple of, like a bit more than a couple, I guess, of our own creations. There was um, Maestro, and then there was, I mean, I'm probably not going to have the order correctly correct, but um, Burn It All. Then there was Zero Three Pixel, and Fix the cat, and now Karmazoo. Woo! 
And so, yeah. <clears throat> Karmazoo is this lovely game about cooperation and teamwork and all this stuff. Uh, Burn It All? Yeah, Burn It All was awesome. I loved Burn It All. <laughs> it was a puzzle That's game uh, on mobile phones. And mm -hmm. this was the iPhone had already arrived. And mm -hmm. it was a bit easier because they weren't. It was a beginning of uh, like smartphones, so there was just a couple of models, mm -hmm. and you wouldn't have to like adapt to a thousand different devices, right? So it was yeah. like focused design. We could do more gameplay, and less tech and ports and adapting and graphics and LOD and all that nonsense. All the stuff I don't like, like not gameplay, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And Burn It All was really cool. It was a ripoff of a, one of my favorite games of all time called Cursor 10, which is a browser game. I advise you to play it. It's just fantastic. It's a game of collaboration okay. with yourself. So you play one run, and then the timer uh -huh. is over, and then you you start again, but this time you, you have what you did the first time to collaborate with. Yeah. And Burn It All was basically three brothers. It was Flint, like, uh, I don't remember the names, but Flint, I remember Flint as one of the three. And there were three little flames, three little burning rocks, inflamed rocks, and they were so sorry because they had to burn everything. But they were sorry. Like, they have to burn you, but like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I have to survive. This is my way of surviving, right? Yeah. And they were coming from the depth of Earth, and they w wanted to reach the surface to bring some mm -hmm. oxygen to their dying volcano grandfather. And <laughs> it basically was a quite simple game. Like there were ropes and surfaces of wood and stuff. And you had a timer yeah. and you mm -hmm. had to use the powers of each flame to mm -hmm. manage to burn the whole thing down before the timer stopped. So this is why it's called nice. Burn It All. It was really cool. I loved it. And That sounds cool. Yeah, it's, it's always collaboration somehow. We like collaborating. So with yourself, <laughs> with others... Uh, Pigs the Cat, uh, I mean, yeah, Pigs the Cat was a, a real arcade game. Like, it's a mix of Pac-Man and Snake, basically, if I really want to reduce it. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's Pac-Man, and you build up the tail, and you have to be careful with your tail and not, like, colliding with it. Mm -hmm. And it was really like a zone game. You know, you really have to get into the zone and play for five minutes, and you get sweaty, and you, if you don't hear people <laughs> around you, and you're really into your zone. This kind of game that we love, like arcade, really skill-based skill, yeah. skill -based game. And we made like a um, couple of modes for it. One of my favorite was the arena. It was a four player versus game and our pitch, internal pitch, because it was our own IP and we didn't have any, any publishers at all uh, for a very long time, before early, until very late in the production. And we wanted the game in which people would just basically take their, their friends or family members controller and throw it in a room. This was our goal. Like, <laughs> if we see people playing and they push each other on the couch, on the sofa, then we won. And <laughs> this was our, yeah, this was really cool. I loved it. We always like to play with people, basically. I was going to say, it sounds like there is there is a, an attention to a desire to have an effect. To, yeah, and share. To evoke, yeah. Take uh, which is great. <laughs> so when, how did, how did Karmazoo begin to develop? How did that, how did this game, what, what, what was the initial inspiration kind of, how did, when, what's been, yeah, what's been that? It has, it, it was, I mean, there, it, it's, there was, has been many. Um, if I go like far in my recollection, the very first, first thing was the, the, the leap of faith of Indiana Jones 2, I think. Mm-hmm. 
where third. it's the where, third one but yeah sorry <laughs> it's one of your favorite ones you said oh i said it's the third one that it's i the realized third one, i was yeah. being pedantic yeah uh, and i think indy has to cross um a bridge that is not visible mm -hmm. and we thought how about we make a game in which there's this maze that is basically a bridge not invisible mm -hmm. bridge but there are no walls right you can you could jump actually from one corridor to another if you knew the mm -hmm. path but it would be like tone on tone so you would never see it and you would like go like let's say that you walk forward and you fall to your death and there's a small tombstone that appears and said like jm died there mm -hmm. and then i would come and i would see that jm died there so i would probably turn left or right and then i would fall to my death and the dm died there so the person behind us let's say jerry's with us and he would join and he would see that the path forward is death the path right is death so he would take a left mm -hmm. and he would go until he dies to his death right and he just falls to his death so it was like a, a online game where we weren't really synchronized we were just everyone in their own little bubble uh, but mm -hmm. kind of seeing the ghost of others walk a little bit like uh, the devolver uh, published game into the abyss it had this kind oh, of feeling yeah. like playing with others without them being there mm-hmm And slowly but surely, the whole map would map out with these tombstones that would show the path. Basic slowly, and then you would start jumping from one place. It became a parkour game. You would see all the tombstones, and you would see the maze starly drawing, and you would jump all the way to the exit as fast as possible. And it was a collaboration game in which there was no, like, people not really together, but on different realities, different. Yeah. Like, So this was one of the very in initial, initial um, uh, starting points, and then it materialized more. This was like an early, early, early version, and then it, it materialized more as we were um, working on another game. I think it was Rayman, and uh, we. Oh yeah, because Fabian said that you, because I, I I saw his presentations during Gamescom. Y'all have worked on a lot of like known games with the uh, the contracted. Yeah. Project yeah. like shadows. Uh, I think he's <laughs> like Assassin's Creed. Not Assassin's something? Creed. No. Not not one of those. What was it? There was okay. Sorry. So we 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 worked a lot of on Rayman. We worked on Pac-Man. We had Ar okay. Arcanoid. Um, we've worked on lots of killed games <laughs> that I cannot talk <laughs> about. Talk about. Okay. Uh, we've worked on. Uh, recently, Arcanoid, Pac-Man, Rayman, basically these were the big licenses we've worked on. Yeah. Okay. And um, and as we were working on one of the Rayman games that was really great to work on, it was really like hugely talented people to work with at Ubisoft, learned a lot about platforming, about feedback, about uh, how to make an experience and not a game and not focus on what we like, but how people live it and stuff like this. It was really interesting. Mm -hmm. And we were into a, like a deep winter, and Fabien was saying like, oh, "I don't want to leave Paris. It's dark here. I want to go to the south and stuff." And and like I've always liked how objects and how materials are have different like chance in life and have des destiny, different destinies. And and for example, a bit of porcelain can end up as the most beautiful cup of tea for the most beautiful lady in England, and at the mm -hmm. same time can become toilet. So, <laughs> like you, you'd rather become the the porcelain that becomes the tea, right, and, and not the porcelain that becomes a toilet. 
So we, I, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about the blocks of concrete and and um, asphalt on the ground, and mm -hmm. how some of it is like peed on in the corners, dark corners of Paris, and get a lot of bad attention, and how mm -hmm. probably my favorite place in all of Paris are the the doors outside of the metro stops, or the subway stops. And they have these very heavy doors, heavy glass doors, so that people cannot enter from outside. I mean, I'm talking mm -hmm. about the stations, not the, the subway itself, the, 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 mm -hmm. the station doors. And there's a, an odd thing going on, contextual like niceness and kindness. Because these doors are so heavy, people have a tendency to feel guilty to just let it do go on the person behind them so that it doesn't fall mm -hmm. on their nose, you know? So people naturally turn around and check if there's someone behind and if there's somebody like one meter behind they would just let hold the door for half a second let it go the other person catches it passes and so on and so forth nothing happens mm -hmm. if it's like one meter and a half two meters you're going to have eye contact they're going to look <laughs> you look you in the eye and something is going to happen you might have a small nod you know or a small smile or something if it's mm -hmm. like three meters you're going to say thank you and if it's like more than three meters people are just there's going to be some oddities going on something odd is going to yeah. happen like somebody's going to say thank you as if you saved their lives somebody's going to do the <laughs> little they're going to run you know like come on yeah they do that little trot exactly they do the little trot and that i mean it's contextually because of how the door is designed uh behavior infers so you mm -hmm. you become kind because of how the door is made and mm -hmm. as designers we've always wanted to um, invite players to be kind and mm -hmm. we love war games we love horror games we love aggressive games but we thought there is space for other stuff and that's not there's not enough of it and we were like hey as game designers if nintendo didn't reward you for killing every single turtle maybe you wouldn't right <laughs> maybe if we don't reward people for acting like assholes they won't be assholes maybe it's our jobs as designers mm -hmm. to make games that push you for better behaviors i mean there's no morals there but there's a desire to create kindness and yeah. we decided to go all the way and to to just to say we can continue to do a work for hire we want to make you know the kind of the game designers masturbation game where it's it's like, come on, let's make the, the, the kind game. Let's make the nice game. Let's make the game that yeah. people are going to go with. But not the usual gamers. That's also very Nintendo. The Let's target non-gamers also. This was also one of our goals. Like what they called mm -hmm. the Blue Ocean like marketing. And we decided to make this game about being together and sharing the load and not not necessarily skills not necessarily being good and the whole the game is not about being good at video games it's about being mm -hmm. game at social uh, intelligence about mm -hmm. knowing how to wait for others about enjoying helping people and at the time we were kind of already growing old i mean it was long ago <laughs> but we were already growing old and we had stopped kind of playing the early mmos Mm -hmm. uh, because of gatekeeping and because we weren't skillful enough and because we were getting booted off guilds and, and, <laughs> and these behaviors were like, come on, you, is there, isn't there a space for people online that are not the best at video games without them being bullied because of whatever reason? Mm -hmm. And I remember 
having a, a colleague that was a, still a huge MMO player and he would play a lot of World of Warcraft and he would had like maxed out like a couple of characters and knows everything about the game and still goes to these raids just to carry others mm -hmm. and the delight of carrying others and we call those what is it care bear when someone comes yeah a lower level character <laughs> exactly care that bears. might be outdated lingo i don't know no no it is it is uh, it has some sexual innuendo that i enjoy care bears i like it <laughs> and we decided to make a game in which the individual was not the, the player it was a group is the player and if if we share the load and if we carry each other to victory the game itself becomes becomes just a pretense to being together with with others mm. and how about making a game which is not about collaborating with your friends or people you know or people you can get some you know like immediate satisfaction from by just oh man thank you so much for your help and you know you, let, let's make it for free you know let's make a game that in which you, you collaborate with strangers basically how, mm -hmm. how about finding a solution um, in which people have to collaborate with people they don't know and oddly we discovered that you're a lot nicer with people you don't know <laughs> yeah that's true you troll your friends a lot Mm -hmm. And that's fun. And that's part of the fun. But you have this natural kindness when it's for foreigners. Yeah. And that was great. And we wanted to serve that wave. And we went all the way in Karmazoo. And this was this was one of the pillars. And another important pillar was the penguins. On the on the ice cap, on the on the on the ice, on the ice basically. You know on Earth? Yeah, on like Antarctic or Arctic. Like on the real Earth. Okay, yeah, yeah, go on. And these penguins, you know, they when they sleep, it's so cold. Mm -hmm. They pack like in a big mm -hmm. bunch, and every couple of minutes, the penguins from the center go out outside, mm -hmm. and they take the cold. And then when they become really cold, they go back in the center of the pack, yeah. and they turn like this. So we said, how about making a game in which this is a system? Like not everybody has to bear the load all the time. And mm -hmm. let once in a while you change and this run, this loop, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to be an idiot and shout, shout and sing and, and, <laughs> and drop the controller and just become a ghost and fly around. And it's okay. My, my, my team will carry me to victory. Maybe next turn I'll be a good colleague or a good compatriot, a good comrade. Maybe not. So these were the, the main pillars. I would say the Metro and the, and the penguins on the ice cap. Nice. Teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah, it, it does. It does. And I've, we've been playing betas, and the demo now has been released on Steam during Steam yeah. Fest, and it's just so cool. And we've been like touring a little bit with a few uh, game shows and game events, and seeing people play the game and understand it and enjoy it. It's amazing. It's amazing. It really, it's it's great. It feels great. It feels a lot of like we, a lot of people didn't believe in this game. Obviously, mm. Devolver did, and it feels so good to to see it work, to see it function. It's yeah, it's really exciting. I mean, it's it's one of those games that I don't know. Just the concept, you know, just the the idea of what you're trying to make is inspiring and it's exciting. And it's we, you know, I think we all wanted like he's like, yeah, we want to see this happen. We want to see this work. <laughs> yeah, you know, karma like be the new genre. You know, where it's like games about helping each other out. 
and there's some space for this. I mean, so many cool games are about being, I mean, wholesome games is a huge thing now. And yeah. being together and not being about skill. I mean, we've seen so many good games do that, that we, yeah. we wanted to be part of this. What was, um, I was playing earlier, This was it this year? Yeah, um, gosh, like Death Stranding even, you know, I love, kind of yeah. similar concept with that the bridges. asynchronous teamwork. I love that. Yeah, bridges. I, I love that. And, yeah. and hiding stuff in the in the lockers and you would just find mm -hmm. what somebody else left for you. Mm -hmm. I, or if you're like, oh, I can't finish this. You just leave it in a locker for someone else to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, the likes. That's right. The likes were kind of like the, the karma in that game. I loved it. I, I didn't enjoy the gameplay that much as much as the, the meta ideas of collaboration. Um, yeah, I really, but I really enjoyed this. I, I, I forced myself to finish it. I don't finish a lot of games, but mm -hmm. I forced myself to finish one of the hardest games to finish of history. <laughs> so yeah, I, I had fun in it, with it. Nice. Um, I want to ask about. I don't know. So I was thinking about this episode. I'm you know excited to talk to you and excited about this. And I was thinking about like doing good deeds. And the real, like, there's such a, it's, I feel like it's rare. It's rare uh, in day-to-day -day life to get the opportunity to do a kindness for a stranger and, like, know that you've done something that was helpful to someone. And I don't know. I was thinking of one that happened in 2021. Uh, I, I was just going to ask if there are if there are examples or if there's there's a moment that you've gotten to do that that you would like to share. I used to be annoyed at tourists. As a Parisian, yeah. I was I lived most of my life in Paris. I'm a real city boy, and I love Paris. And we have a lot of tourists. We have a lot of obnoxious tourists. We have a lot of obnoxious American tourists that come over and just... I, I heard American when you said obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are others, but Americans just come over and they, you know, the, the world is theirs and they speak English to you directly, not even trying to mm -hmm. say hello in French or whatever. And they just basically ask for direction. Like, where is the Tour Eiffel? Come on, mm -hmm. you can say thank you, you can say please, you can say hello, you, you, you make an effort, you know, be courteous. Yeah. It's all about courtesy. And I used to be that asshole that would point out bad directions at these people. <laughs> like, yeah, it's over there. It's like, what? Yeah, keep going. Don't stop believing in yourself. It's straight up, 20 minutes. Just keep going, man. And I used to take pleasure in this. And I kind of grew away from this. I kind of felt stupid. And... <laughs> Now I actually like, make a, go out of my way when I see uh, any kind of tourist, even the most obnoxious ones. Uh, I don't care anymore. <laughs> it's all not about them. It's about me. I understood <laughs> that in the, in the end. And I go out of my way whenever I see somebody struggling and look, look at just not struggling, just looking at a map or looking around a little bit <laughs> puzzled. Just, hey, are you looking for something? Can I help? And <laughs> I enjoy it a lot. And I, I actually get a lot of odd reactions like, hey, what do you want, man? Like sometimes <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like, hey, you're too nice. It's odd, and yeah, and that's fine. I mean, I understand that, and I don't care. I want to be too nice. I want to be over the top nice sometimes. I feel like a child. I love it, and I don't yeah. care what people think if they think it's too much. But good for them, bad for them. I don't really care. So I do that. Same. I mean, I've been uh, I've been in Japan recently. I've been in Australia very recently, 
And same when you see uh, like a, a guy taking a selfie or a couple taking a selfie or whatever. Um, it's nice also to walk to them and say, hey, would you like me to take that picture for you? Yeah. Without them asking. And that's an easy one because now everybody's taking these pictures of themselves. And and, yeah. and it's it, it's an easy it's an easy thing to do. And I mean, I grew up and I have kids now and offering them gifts is probably the thing I enjoy the most in life right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, not buying them stuff, like making stuff for them and like inventing specific games for specific Linux moment and stuff. And they mm-hmm. love it so much. It brings so much joy in them and they're grateful bastards they don't give a shit you know that that you did it or that you spend a day or a night or like you like that's your purpose is to do things for them yeah from their point of view exactly and they have no gratitude there so it's it's exactly what you said like without the need or the will and you feel this you still have this egoism going on like you know like you you want them to say thank you all you went out of your way to doing this but it's your kids so you know you let it go if it would be somebody else's kids, you would say, hey, come on, say thank you. Come on, at least. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you just forget it and you just enjoy the moment and you're happy with them like actually enjoying what you did. And you yeah. you feel good inside. And, and that's, I mean, uh, I'm not Christian at all, but they have this thing with giving um, that I like a lot. I mean, lots of religions have this, but I like mm-hmm. this thing of giving, you know, just give. Give. and that, that's that yeah. that's this that's this that's the solution that's the salvation this is where you become happy in life is when you understand that it's about the giving and not taking basically i like that yeah yeah i i i spent a lot of years practicing doing kind things without even without even the expectation of gratitude like you and it's with around the people around the world or like in your neighborhood yeah, just, in your community just, just yeah, like if I'm if I'm out and about and I see an opportunity to do you know to do something, you you just you know just do it you know like you said like offering to take people's picture when they're doing selfies and stuff like that or um, I don't know just helping out where you can when you can and making it about doing the kindness yeah um, without you know getting without it being like a I want, you know, I want to feel good. I want to make myself feel good. Like I want somebody to thank me. I want, you know, that kind of that thing. And it's it's just nice to be just to be like, I'm just going to do a good thing. And now there's one more good thing that just happened in the world. And what do you think? Do you think, I mean, we're kind of torn at pasta games and in general people I talk to. Like some people believe that real altruism does not exist. That you, you always do it for you in the end. What do you think about it? Like, it, is it possible to just want it for others? Um, I, I, I do. I, I do. I do think that it's possible. I, it's. Here's mm, so. I guess it doesn't exist because, by the definition you just gave, altruism is doing something for others, and the truth is that there are no others. In the way that we we're all, all are one, yeah, yeah, we're all part of the same. We're all the Big Bang still yeah, happening, yeah. or whatever. Connected. You know, yeah, we're yeah. we're all, you know, you know, just because we're not rooted to the ground doesn't mean we're not all connected and part of the same system. Yeah, and 
Um, I mean, individualism and altruism. Like, I, if, if, you know, if you have the concept of individualism and self and other, I do still think that altruism exists. And even doing something for internal satisfaction. Like, like there's, there's almost no way to turn off the internal satisfaction because we are wired to be social animals like we are wired like to work in a group of other humans and to help each other out and i mean we also like like to help out cute animals too i mean it's i don't know it's yeah, yeah there's an internal reward but like you i don't know it's like, it's, this it's is the part of the system this is what makes it hard is because you cannot turn off the positive feedback I mean, maybe the only person that could actually answer this is like really like s s like objectively would be like a sociopath, somebody who has no emotions anymore, like somebody who does not have this this heart to that vibrates when something good happens. And would they actually help out somebody else, even if they will not feel anything positive out of it? Because I, I yeah, go on. Yeah, be because we all do have this. I mean, no matter what, even if you give anonymously, even if you uh, welcome like uh, suffering immigrants in your home and you're helping mm -hmm. and you're actually doing it, at the end of the day, you're taking your shower and you're like, you're happy about what you did and you did something good and, and you, I mean, your karma elevated or whatever, your mm -hmm. spirituality elevated. So it's very difficult to, 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 to know for in the end what you're doing. How, why you're doing it, you know, and then it's, it's like a snake, snake eating its tail, like, why do we do it, and th does the feedback uh, causality, is it linked to why we do it, I don't know, but I, but I like the question, I like this, I like this thought of, and in the end, I don't care, <laughs> that's also cool, <laughs> I, I mean, whatever works, right, so if you're going to do it for others or for yourself, as long as you're doing it, that's basically what matters. Yeah, as long as you're doing it in the right way. I mean, there's there's ways to help that I think can be insulting to people. I know that if I, you know, like if I see someone that is, you know, houseless and stuff like that, and I'm trying to offer them something like either money or food or, or something, you know, uh -huh. I'm in a position to offer them something. I know that I personally make a point of asking them like and being very, I, 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 I don't want to offend them. Like I don't I want to, I don't want to look down on them. I don't want to I to see. express pity. I want to come to them. It, it's and it's hard. It, it like some and sometimes the social energy of this dissuades me from even doing a kindness, which is kind of sad. But like, I want to come to them peer to peer, you know, and say, hey, you know, um, do you happen to be? Would would you be interested in something to eat or or or? I, I, I'm kind of doing it in a vacuum now, but just you, you try to offer, you know, it's, it's such a weird thing to like have consent in giving. It is, you know, it is to make it, to make sure that it's about them feeling seen. And, um, I, I understand yeah. what you say with unwanted advice from a very simple, like not, not, not actual helping people, but when people give you unwanted advice, it's, it's unwanted help and it it's easily seen as negative or felt as negative mm -hmm. but in the case yeah. that you're talking about somebody who is apparently uh, in need of help mm -hmm. then it, it, it's an odd feeling and understand what you're saying that you want to do it right but then if it stops mm -hmm. you from doing it that creates some social dynamics that's odd and a good friend of mine that's 
on the right specter of the political uh, field, uh, mm -hmm. very individualist, extremely individualist um, and conservative. And he's always mocking me, us, uh, the rest of our friends are more leaning the other way about mm -hmm. us wanting to help. Like, like he, he's actually saying that we have a co colonizer uh, approach to helping sometimes. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> who the hell do you think you are to go help these dudes in other countries that suffer, right? They mm -hmm. didn't ask for your help. They didn't ask mm -hmm. for anything and they probably don't want it. So if you go there and you throw money at them, they're not going to say no. They're gonna take it, but they don't. Mm -hmm. They didn't want it, and they're gonna resent you for this. And probably you're not helping them because you're giving them money and not solving their problem or whatever. Or and like you have you this colonizer um, approach, like a missionary approach. That you think you're better mm -hmm. than them, or you think you're higher than them somehow. And I I kind of understand that, and I can yeah. and I understand also what you're saying with helping a, a homeless person for example it's not not easy to approach it in the most respectful way but then i, I just wish it wouldn't stop us from doing stuff like i think it's better to try sure. and, and fuck it up and be rude about helping people that need your help because yeah. I, i'm very proud for example and i don't like to be given help but then when people force me into helping me i in the end appreciate it and i love it so it's it's, it's it's interesting i like it it's not clear-cut no yeah i mean it's it can be it can be complicated i mean the i don't know i got a response to that whole colonizer mentality thing. <laughs> like in a world where like places like everywhere hadn't already been fucking colonized uh sure <laughs> that's that's a great point but like so much of the poverty and destitution like globally that happens is because colonizers came in yep and you know extracted the wealth from these areas you know put certain social systems like political systems in 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 there you know put the wealth in the hands of a few specific people that allied with the colonizers i mean yep like oh i mean coming from france i have a, a heavy past in that <laughs> yeah well uh is an american uh yeah, is anybody awesome. modern you know yeah, just descended from, you know, so it's, uh, I don't know, because I, I, there was a fella who was kind of doing this thing, who was trying to say, like, oh, these people are, like, you know, so reliant on this stuff, because, you know, and so they should just let them, like, they're, they're not getting enough health anyway, and it's like, our ancestors created this situation. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, we're still, I mean, uh, it's still going on. France is seems to be not a colonizing country but it is still today yeah. I mean, yeah look at niger and what's going on we want their uranium and they don't want to give it to us so they're basically telling us telling us to leave but somehow <laughs> we're not leaving so uh, yeah. and we're creating turmoil just to make sure that we can continue to buy it for cheap so this is still mm -hmm. some old school like colonizing methods and stuff yeah I don't think people, I don't think people in the West, like when we think of colonizing, we think of like the Americas and stuff. And I don't think people think about Africa enough and like just the, just the, just Europe getting in there, all the different countries getting into Africa and just pillaging everything. Just, yeah. I mean, just, at least America is a large, beautiful country that has a lot of resource. France and England 
are tiny countries that were drained from their resources in the Middle Ages. And, yeah. and of course, there's some not modern, no, not the modern ones, but we don't have oil or, or stuff, more, more modern stuff. Yeah. And look, look at how strong these countries are. Still, I mean, yes, mm -hmm. Europe is in decay and everything and whatever, but look at how strong it is compared to what we actually have. It's still the fifth and sixth and fourth economy in the world. Well, that's odd. I mean, <laughs> we only have a, a few million, tens of millions of people. We're not smarter than most. I mean, we're just whatever, right? And, yeah. and somehow we still have this huge reach and huge ability and huge power. Hmm, something's fishy. Something's going on that's fishy down there. I don't know. I mean, England is, I mean, coming back from Australia and New Zealand, it's scary how Commonwealth is strong like what why are these people still having the queen on their coins and stuff yeah that's yeah yeah it's odd yeah but this times are changing we're losing our grasp i mean i'm not very sad i mean i'm happy and sad about it both both but it's good that there's going to be new powers in the next few decades and it's not going to be us we're going to end up not being the bad guys anymore, at least for a couple of, of centuries. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. At the very least, someone else will be the bad yeah, guy. Yeah, I mean, that's some kind of satisfaction, right? <laughs> I mean, we, get what, yeah. we take what we can. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, thank you for, for talking philosophy of, of kindness uh, here, here at the end here. My pleasure. Um, yeah, thanks for talking about the game. Karma Zoo's fun and it's exciting, and I, I really look forward to people playing it and sharing it and experiencing it. Um, what are your? Do you have like? What are your hopes for Karma Zoo? Uh, my hopes for Karma Zoo is that it's it manages to bring people from all around the world together. And we were mm -hmm. talking about worlds and colonizing and you know like mm -hmm. history and stuff. In today's world with like just for example video games and network video games the way it is it's a 10 player game you get to collaborate with people from i mean maybe time zones will do some limits there will be some limitations mm -hmm. according to time zones but the game is in 22 languages and it's going to be pushed in many different countries so it's great to imagine we already have some data but it's going to be a lot mm -hmm. more when it's going to release we've had like runs from people in india playing with people in France and people in Scandinavia and the Middle East and mm. Asia all in one game and expressing themselves without language and finding new ways to communicate so like, people like invent shit so much like some people even do some Morse code to find ways <laughs> to talk and like you know how people like jump twice that means this and they mm -hmm. and at first they everyone talking on their own kind of in their own language mm -hmm. and slowly but surely across the loops they start to tune and start to mm -hmm. find their own way to communicate. And what I love, what I love for this game to create is that we're surprised how people find ways to help each other out that we didn't intend, and have yeah. to quickly code more karma hearts. Like, hey, we didn't think of that stuff, so let's quickly <laughs> add, you know, like patch it up that this will give karma hearts like reward players with scoring. And yeah. and yeah, I. I, I what I want, because it's a game about people collaborating and, and systems allowing people to collaborate in new ways, 
I'd love for the game to teach us uh, new ways to collaborate that we didn't think of and that we would have to follow the community and what they come up with. That would be my 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 uh, my perfect outcome for this. Yeah. Game. And we're what is the uh, yeah. oh go on and we're we I mean yeah we can talk about it so I'd love also that the karma pass uh, mm -hmm. I mean th we we've we come up with this concept uh, that's pretty cool I mean everybody is gonna work together all around the world and we're gonna mm -hmm. accumulate all the hearts that are shared across the world. Uh, and this is going to add up in one big, big counter of shared gratitude. And this will unlock characters and elements in the game. So the, the barrier for this game to the new content coming into the game is mm -hmm. actual collaboration across the world. <laughs> and I mean, I love, I mean, it's like actually it's you guys it's Devolver that came up with this and pushed for this idea and I love it mm -hmm. so much and I can't wait for people to actually start looking going to the page and seeing how much karma has been exchanged since the last time they played and what's the next unlock and oh come on we need a hundred million karmas a <laughs> hundred million <laughs> shared hearts and and you know the same way that I like data and I like looking at numbers and stuff and I imagine the same thing for example in the Call of Duty how many kills have been done across the world in the last 24 <laughs> hours? 600 billion people died. You know, like <laughs> and, and there's some joy in there. So, but it's, yeah. it would be the opposite. Like, how many people actually held the door for one another? And mm -hmm. if if it grows big enough, you can start putting this um, number of sh uh, hearts per day per human, and mm. we can reach a point in which every human every day gets a heart out of this game gets a karma heart out of this game uh sorry yeah. i didn't even mention it the, the currency of the game are these karma hearts that you win by helping mm -hmm. each other out so that i love this and i'd love for this com community to grow and this this karma pass uh numbers to be huge that would be awesome yeah i hope my hope for you is that you have to make more rewards for karma pass than you anticipated yeah <laughs> yeah like we have to go on the long run Mm -hmm. find years and years of updates hopefully yeah where can folks go to follow pasta games so pasta games is uh, today mostly on discord it's our favorite place to share and our discord mm -hmm. community is fantastic and the karmazoo's community is already thriving and uh, annoying kind of sometimes because okay. they're, they're, they're so good and they have so many ideas it's like come on mm -hmm. leave us some some work like <laughs> stop with all these good uh, good ideas uh is that discord.gg slash pasta games uh karmazoo karmazoo slash karmazoo yeah karmazoo or karmazoo game i don't know one of these uh -oh. and we're also on almost social networks and we also have uh, the pasta games uh, twitter page and just come in paris and have a drink with us basically or montpellier this mm. is the best place to see us Come to the office and yes. share a pastis with us. When are you coming, JM? <laughs> uh, I, I guess probably not until maybe next year's Gamescom. Nice. Did you come to this one? Did you meet the crew at Gamescom? I met Fabian. Nice. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was a machine, just nonstop doing that presentation. Yeah. <laughs> Tried to give him a break. Nope. He's all about no. showing the game. He's all about sharing. He was not interested in taking a break. <laughs> sharing in any possible uh, way. That's what we do at Basta Games. <laughs> it was so. It's really, really. Uh, I'll just. I don't know. It's, I think it was pretty funny. Like you know, he's talking about Karmazoo. He's sharing the the little bit of the story of Pasta Games and the the idea behind Karmazoo. And he's explaining the mechanics of like how the full Karmazoo will work. But because it was a single computer setup in the press area <laughs> the only version of the game he could show was competitive mode yeah and anytime any of the rest of the staff would like find a window to like play he would hop on and just demolish everyone <laughs> at the competitive games just just trounce us and i feel like maybe there's there's still there not maybe there's definitely still that <laughs> satisfaction in him as a gamer of beating people sure. at the game he made. Sure, he's <laughs> we're like, he and we are all old school arcade players, and we want to show our <laughs> skill. So there's yeah. also the totem mode that's made to, sh to add some salt and all that sweetness, and it's really great to enjoy yeah. this. Yeah. Oh yeah, we didn't even talk about totem mode because there is like racing games and like different challenges. It's uh, the, the the puzzles that y'all have come up with too for the game are really cool and fun. There's a lot of creativity that had to go into I I, I that I clearly had to go into making some of these puzzles that like that are about teamwork that aren't about just shooting things it's 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 a it's a wonderful game it's very lovely and i'm excited for it to exist for the world thank you so much man uh, i also am you know, i'm excited to see how uh, it works we have lots of cool verbs in this game we're tired of shooting and jumping and collecting floating money so mm -hmm. we added some verbs like spitting and like <laughs> spitting is one of my favorite basically and there, there, there's also one of them, like uh, twerking. There's a twerking anchor, one of my favorite oh, that's right. avatars. <laughs> oh, the avatars are all so cute. Yeah. Uh, I have to do the the thing because Jared's not here. Um, uh, so for anyone who listens to this podcast and somehow doesn't already know where to find Devolver Digital, you can find us on discord.gg slash Devolver Digital, where there are links to all of the Devolver game discords, including pasta games or including the Karmazoo discord. It is uh, discord.gg slash Karmazoo. Um, and we have what we got. We've got a Twitter We've got an Instagram, we've got a TikTok, we've got Twitch, we've got Facebook, and we've got a website, www.devolverdigital.com. Uh, yeah, so that's the thing. Good, I did the thing. <laughs> Very professional, this nice. podcast. Yeah, well, thanks for being here, Nadim. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Yeah, we'll see you soon. And I hope to meet you in person. Yeah, we'll have some pastis. Ah, quand tu veux. Avec grand plaisir. Oh. Ah, sorry, I switched to, switch to French naturally. You said pastis. Au revoir. My man snap. Au revoir. Oh. Ciao.